This episode was brought to you by William Mitchell Audio. William Mitchell Audio is busy gallivanting around with some reality TV show right now. But if you need great audio engineering, go to williammitchellaudio.com. And before we start the interview, this is a clip from Caviani. Don't let the bombs drop. My guest today is Caviani. Caviani has spent the, fat, the last few years as a session guitarist, touring with multi-platinum artists, Joe Lynn Turner from Deep Purple and Rainbow, and Eric Martin, Mr. Big, as well as touring with Damon Johnson and Ricky Warwick, Thin Lizzy, Alice Cooper, Black Star Riders. Caviani was also recently asked to cover for Sebastian Bach, Chevy metal guitarist, Brent Woods, on Tara Lynch's support tour for UFO on their 22-date sold-out farewell tour of the UK and Ireland. Now taking his skills to his own craft, Caviani has spent time writing and recording in London and Nashville, working with multi-platinum producers Phil DaCosta, Sir Tom Jones, Mick Fleetwood, and Pete Woodruff from Def Leppard, releasing his first single, Don't Let the Bombs Drop Daddy, as a solo artist in April 2019, Caviani has been releasing new music every couple of months. I can't believe I finally got through a bio without messing it up. What's up, Simon? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. There's a, a thing that uh, originally used to annoy me, but now it's kind of a running joke, is that I can't read a, a person's bio without <laughs> butchering it. I, th- I think I messed up a couple times in there, but I mean, I've just... <laughs> that was all good. I mean, it, it is tricky, like pronouncing some people's names that you've never heard before and you're just reading off the bat so yeah, yeah. that one right there too uh i was pretty stoked that uh, on my feet i was able to realize that irl stands for ireland does it I hope yeah it does. yeah yeah that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> i was like this, this has to mean ireland i don't know yeah uh, but uh you're in london right now right yes that's correct cool cool uh what's what's it like late afternoon uh four o'clock in the afternoon gray overcast yeah so it's not not the it's always up and down weather over here but we've been we had a good summer to be fair um considering we've all been in lockdown it could have been a lot worse um but yeah it's just getting towards winter now and um, just trying to keep on keep on keeping on through this whole situation i think i would enjoy london weather because i like uh i like rainy shit yeah i think you can get stuff done in that kind of weather like obviously i've spent some time in nashville and it just gets so humid and you walk outside and you're just drenched (laughs) that's that's how the summer has been uh i've been like uh on a typical day i go through like four t-shirts whoa (laughs) i'm I'm outside all the time it's not like i'm in my house doing that but yeah (laughs) oh uh but yeah this is what i wanted to get to man uh just asking about you being in london but uh that's something I just found out when we were emailing back and forth. And that's actually, uh, you spent some time living in Nashville. And yes. as you know, this podcast comes out of Nashville. So this city gets brought up in conversation a lot, but it's usually with people that have lived here back when it was old Nashville. Uh, so I'd love to get your opinion, especially being someone from overseas. Uh, how would you describe Nashville as a city? I'm just curious and I'd love to hear it. Uh, just really buzzing. I mean, I first, I moved there in 2010. So, and I've been back, uh, the last three years now, just for like a couple of weeks, stints at a time. Um, 
and I just noticed how much the skyline had changed and and like the traffic was crazy yeah, no compared doubt. to back in 2010. Um, but even on my first visit, I could just, you could just sense that creativity that was there. And I loved it, you know, b- bumping into so many people that do what you do and are so passionate about the same things and being surrounded by so many other talented individuals, just, it makes you raise your game. Um, and I loved it. So I was only meant to, to come over initially for three months because I'm sure people aren't aware, but the whole visas, you know, they're, they're expensive. So I just came over on a tourist visa and then came back to England for a short while and then went back for another three months. Um, and yeah, so in the last, and then some other things sort of went off, so I couldn't get back um, as often as I wanted to. But since going back the last few years, it's just, yeah, so many more people are there. It's just everything's kind of been ramped up. It's like the Nashville that I, I first went to in 2010, but on steroids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, a, the that's a funny thing is uh, a lot of people would probably consider uh, maybe even a few years before 2010 would be when when old Nashville, like it's it's uh, it's a thing that people that live here, old Nashville is a concept. It's, you know, because this was a completely different city. Like in the year 2000, compared to the year 2010, as obviously and compared to the year 2020, these are like unrecognizable differences to the, you know, the, like, the, like you said, this, not just the skyline, but just everything, whole neighborhoods and, you know, yeah. and a lot of like cool shit, uh, you know, got bulldozed. So, you know, it's not all good, but it's not all bad. Mm. Well, I, I mean, where I live in, uh, in London, uh, it's a borough called Hackney. It was like 20 years, 15, 20 years ago, it was considered like extremely dangerous. <laughs> and then I would, I would say where I live now would have been like East Nashville, 10, 15 years ago. Whereas now it's obviously been a bit gentrified. Everyone's sort of moved in and it's become hip and cool. Oh, actually, um, uh, uh, I was actually curious too, man. Uh, when you did live here, what part of town were you in? Like, where'd you, where'd you stay at? Uh, I was, oh, I just forget the name of the um, bar. It might come to me. It was East Nashville. I just can't actually remember. Five Points? It was about a 10 minute drive from Five Points. Oh, but you're, okay, but, uh, but it was in a neighborhood near a bar? Yes. Like at the end of the road, there were a couple of bars. One was, um, one was a cocktail bar last time I was there. And then next door to it was like a real kind of sort of um, hmm. just your, like a rough and ready bar is what I'd call it. Lipstick Lounge. <laughs> to me. I'll let you know. I'll come back to you on that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but also, I mean, if we're going to sit here and try and guess bars in East Nashville, that's going to be the entire podcast. I'll just be, yeah. I, could, I could probably just recite bar names to you for the next 30 minutes and should not do that. Well, you mentioned five points. I must have spent so much money at five points pizza. Oh, hell yeah, dude. So good. So I live, good. I live in West Nashville and they moved, uh, they built one over here, like right by my house. So it's sick. Right. And they, it's, it's still called five points, even though it's like, <laughs> it's, it's about oh, as far, okay. yeah, far West as you can still be like kind of in the downtown area. Uh, Man, here's kind of a dumb question because I know London is a huge city, and this is like asking someone from New York if they know someone else from New York. But just, I'm just curious because you were talking about uh, we came over here to do music, and I, uh, I had a friend. He came over. He had a work visa, and we worked together for a while. But he was a musician, and he was that's what he was here for. And he stayed for kind of a similar amount of time. I think he was here for about a year. Okay. Do you, uh, do you know James uh, McGillicrist? I don't know. Don't know that name. I just I was only curious because he just got. Uh, featured on the BBC recently because he was doing these uh, quarantine kind of like they're called rooftop concerts. Right. He was getting on the rooftop of his building and playing for his entire neighborhood. And I guess people didn't mind. Right. Nice. What's the name? James Gilchrist. Yeah. James McGillicrist. Oh, McGillicrist. I'll check that out. Yeah. I just, I was just curious because I would, because you never know, man, it's such a small world. There's always that possibility that you'll be like, Oh yeah, I know him. He's my neighbor. (laughs) Yeah. That, that That was the intriguing thing going going to nashville was just you realize how small the music community is and how everyone knows each other yeah um and there aren't uh, that you know when i first came over there weren't that many english people that were that were over there now there's loads i think you know when i was telling my mates that i was going over to nashville they just have this idea that it's country and western you know they they have no idea of country music in the last 10 years obviously especially in the uk that the country music profiles just 
gone through the roof. Um, and it's more sort of accepted, I guess, in inverted commas, uh, over here. But, you know, just the different types of writers and artists that go over there, it's not, you know, it isn't just country. You get all kinds of, rock, you know, pop, rock, alternative, just everyone goes over there now to, to write, record. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, they know what they're doing over there, for sure. Yeah, it's, a, it's Music City, man. Oh. <laughs> um, man, just out of curiosity, again, uh, just to get to know you all, we get to know a little bit more about kind of your opinions on Nashville. What's your favorite uh, music venue in Nashville? Or, you know, what was it when you were here? I know a lot of things have closed down, so it might not still be standing. But Yeah, I really liked, uh, I really like going to the listening room, to be fair. Just listening to all the different writers, all the different songs that were coming out. No matter where you, you know, what day, what time you went, you would just hear the most amazing songs. Um, so that was one place I really enjoyed going to. And now you've put me on the spot. My mind's gone blank. No, that's <laughs> that's a great that's is? a great answer, man. It, like you didn't have to say like it didn't have to be like a a big a big music venue. I was just yeah. I, I, honestly, uh, my favorite's not big. I would I would say at the end. I don't know if you ever got around to going to the end much. No, I didn't go there. I went. I think. Um, the other one that just came to me was the the basement. Love the basement. I played some shows there. That was really cool. Well, there's, there's, there's two band. basements. So I've I've actually I've only played at the at the original basement, which is on Eighth Avenue. But there's the yeah. basement East, which I guess I assume you'd be more familiar with because you lived in East Nashville. Yes, uh, I think I went to both. Was it one near, near where Santa's is? There's one. Is it uh, yeah, yeah. near that way? Yeah, yeah. That was the one. That was where uh, I played a show there. It was like it was. I think it was like the second live show I ever did was at that uh, particular one. And the, the reason, I think part of the reason why I always say the end is my favorite mi- venue because it's the first place that I ever played a live show and, and it was a great party and we got, we brought out yeah. a lot of people. So it, it wasn't just like, you know, some kind of open mic night thing. It was like, yeah, I, I got the experience of being on stage in front of like 300 people uh, for my first nice. time being on stage. So, you know, Nice. Indelibly marked on me as my favorite music venue, and I, nobody's ever going to change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think I played to about 10 people my first gig. Uh, I was about 14, 15. Oh, but then, yeah. Yeah, then you go to school, and then once everyone gets to about 16, because the laws changed, obviously, like um, over here. And then, yeah, when you're 16 years old, you could go if you had like a guardian. So, as soon as I was 16, played That's crazy. lots more people. That was uh, literally going to be my next question was to ask you uh, what was the first live show you ever played? So can you tell me like kind of the story of how that happened? Like when you were 15 and you went out and did a show? Yeah. I mean, I, I was just sort of, uh, this is before I like had a school band. So sort of just went out. Um, my guitar teacher had done um, a gig at this venue called the boardwalk. Uh, it's no longer around, unfortunately, but so many like, you know, ACDC had played there. The King, obviously this is a, as they were coming up, it's one of those, you know, 450 capacity venue, but every band had played there, like the Clash, Sex Pistols. It was a really famous venue. Um, my guitar teacher had done a gig there and I went to see him one one night and then got a chance to the promoter and just, uh, he was really supportive of local music. Uh, and lo- the local scene. So I just offered me a like an opening slot. I don't know, I think it was like a Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday night, and spent the whole day feeling absolutely sick <laughs> with oh, nerves. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, those uh, those terrible. pre-show nerves, especially for your for your first show. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, dude. I couldn't eat. I couldn't. I couldn't think about anything for the whole day. Um, yeah. So, and then, yeah, and then, then I got into a school band and then did, did like my first band night at school at like the end of the summer term, like over here, it's split into three terms. Um, so the end of the summer term was when they had the band night and again, racked with nerves, but there's a bigger audience this time. Uh, and then just got the gigging bug, even though it was horrible (laughs) experience (laughs) leading up to it afterwards, it was just the best feeling. And then that's when I really started taking it seriously and, and just wanting to be in a band and yeah. And that's, that's how you get hooked, man. It's like, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, anyone that's done the, uh, any kind of live performance, whether it be like music or acting or even just having to give, uh, 
public speaking. And I guess isn't isn't public speaking still considered to be the number one fear? I think that's like uh, people like statistically rate public speaking as their worst fear above anything above sharks or yeah. spiders <laughs> or anything. Yeah, go to any wedding and see the best man before he has to give a speech. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like just in bits or he won't eat the, the meal, you know, because he's just so worried about this, giving this speech. It's, it's, it's that's why, yeah, that's why everyone gets, uh, gets tanked at weddings, man, because they have to give speeches. <laughs> and most people don't have to give speeches in their regular lives. So, yeah, I'm like, oh, God, I got to get up in front of these people and speak. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to pound like <laughs> you know, five yeah. bottles of champagne and then embarrass myself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I've seen the most confident people in other areas of their life absolutely crumble when it comes to giving a speech or public speaking. It's There is something, um, yeah, it's all psychological, I guess. I mean, just going back to what you said, uh, especially like starting out and like doing your first few shows, like, and I completely, um, you know, I understand what you're like, I, I know the feeling of like, those butterflies in your stomach that like you're like, Oh God, I got to go on the stage. And like, you almost don't want to do it anymore. But yeah. then that's like the, once you're finally doing it, like that's just like the greatest thrill. It's, you know, you're not going to, there's no, I don't I've never experienced that kind of energy from any other kind of thing where you get that yeah. kind of like the feeling of live performance is an awesome, amazing feeling. That kind of energy is so unique. And then, like you said, when you're done, it's like you're cleansed. You're like, yeah, yeah like I'm, you know, you're on another planet. Absolutely, it's, it's difficult to kind of convey those emotions and feelings to someone, I guess, that is on the other side of it and has never experienced it. But I think just being in, in music in general is a a real roller coaster, highs and lows emotionally. You know, even if it's from not just from the live aspect, but even getting through the day, like creatively and constantly questioning your abilities you know can i play guitar can i sing can i write songs <laughs> and that's what yeah you have to wake up every day and sort of battle those those kind of demons in your head and just get on with it and um but when you get to playing live it's a similar thing but i think for me it's it's such a it's a positive thing though at the end of it you know when you've got a, a band that are tight that have that chemistry and and got some great songs it's all it's all worth it i mean and also dude like uh like you're saying like some of the some some of the other baggage that comes along with it like for instance uh you know it, it sounds like it's cool to like sit in the green room and shoot the shit or do whatever but honestly like for me especially that's one of the most uh one of the parts i hate the most about being uh like if i'm doing live music and right now in my life i'm not doing that but like the part where you're like, all right, I got to sit in this room for three hours to wait. And then yeah. I got to get on stage and I have to perform and be energetic, you know? And yeah, after having to like, after having sat for three hours in a boring ass room. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and probably driven like another three, four hours to get there. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, we, I did a show with a, an old band of mine and we had played a festival and when we got signed up for it, we were supposed to play uh, like at 8 p.m. Like that's what they had hooked us up. And that's why we all agreed. And we're like, yeah, sure. Even though it was a long drive to get there. We were like, okay, we can play this. We can do our set at eight and then we can get back to Nashville. We can make it, you know, we can make it all happen in one day. Like that's mm -hmm. was the plan. But we got there and because of some of the other bands and like their touring schedules, they like had rearranged it to try, you know, it made sense. Like, cause we were, we were in the same state. So it was easier for us right. to get back. So we're like, well, you guys wait, you guys wait. And they pushed us back until probably around three in the morning was when our set finally happened. And there were still tons of people there. Like I didn't, I wasn't pissed about that so much because we still had an audience. It wasn't like three in the morning, everyone home. I was, you know, cause I yeah. would have just been like, well, fuck this. Let's give me my money. We're <laughs> leaving. <laughs> but what was bad is we were bored and we had like unlimited drinks, you know, open, open bar. So we sat there, you know, we got there early. So we, you know, sat there, they kept pushing us back and we just kept drinking. And by the time we went on stage at three, three o'clock in the morning, I was so dude, I couldn't remember my lyrics. Like things went to, it, it was the most chaotic went to shit show of all time. And I actually 
it got brought up in a past episode because someone was there. One of the, my guests was there for that particular thing, but it was, I broke the stage. Like it was <laughs> like, I broke a hole. Impressive. I broke a hole in the stage and fell through the stage into it. And then I, cr- I crawled out and I said, I'm fucking out of here. dude." <laughs> That's impressive to do that. Hold up. As many of you know, I have recently become a doctor of astrology. And it's time for another My Views Are My Own horoscope reading. Greetings, Capricorn. Have you recently felt a monotonous grimness as though you are standing on the edge of a colossal jungle, staring into the heart of darkness? Well then, I've got good news for you. With the late summer sun in Virgo and Mars turned retrograde in Aries, the ghouls of the underworld have risen from Ghoulheim and are invading the nightmares of your enemies. The five outer planets are empowered down retrograde, and this gives you a great opportunity for quiet reflection and a time to fully evaluate your ambitions. If you've been having disagreements with family, friends, loved ones during this chaotic era in politics, fear not. The ghouls will soon come to beckon you to the ghoul gate and escort you to the great city of Ghoulheim, where your metamorphosis will be complete. Beware the night gaunts that soar the skies of the desolate hellscape betwixt the ghoul gate and Ghoulheim. Also, this is a great opportunity to tell that special someone how you really feel and ask for a raise at work. All right, that's your horoscope for this month, Capricorn. Now back to the interview. Uh, but hey, man, let's, uh, I guess let's uh, kind of get away from that for a second. Just more of like the get to know you and let's go back in time a little bit. Okay. And let's go like, go, like way back. Uh, when did you start playing guitar? Uh, I started, for me, quite late. I started when I was... Uh, 13 13 so just after th- I was 13 um and yeah I used to play I used to play ice hockey so when I was 12 you see you've seen the Mighty Ducks D2 the Mighty Ducks I love that I used, I used to have a Mighty Ducks baseball hat when I was like seven. Oh, yeah. I had the whole I had the whole gear <laughs> I was a massive geek still am probably as some people would say but yeah I was big in uh big into ice hockey um and played for like sort of my county and I just started playing guitar. I've been playing for about two months and then got into a bad tackle and broke my right wrist. Oh. Uh, couldn't play guitar. And it was at that moment I knew, like, right, guitar is for me. Um, oh, as soon actually, as you couldn't have it anymore? Yeah. And I, like I said, I'd only been playing for two months, but even then, as soon as I, I wasn't able to play for six weeks, um, and that was the moment I was like, yeah, guitar is definitely what I want to do. Um, so, yeah, start playing since I was about 13. Man, once again, that's kind of crazy because like you keep kind of uh, setting me up for the questions that I already had planned on asking you. <laughs> uh, and this, this will be kind of interesting because uh, you're saying like hockey was your sport. and yeah. uh, But like, I'm just going to say like my experience with uh, guitar just and also very similar age too, but I went the, I went the opposite direction of you. I was going to say that guitar was the first instrument that I ever started playing seriously, but it was kind of a, crucial time in life for that sort of thing where I decided that uh, skateboarding was going to be my whole life back then. So I no longer really had time for practicing and I, you know, I barely had time for eating at that point because like I just had to be out skating at Uh all times. So I never really gave myself the opportunity to develop great skills on guitar. guitar. Uh, But, but what about you? Like, uh, what, like in the same way, like it obviously is like breaking your wrist is a, big ass example of this but what were some other uh, obstacles and distractions that you had and a second part of that question is you know how did you maintain the discipline it took to stay dedicated to an instrument you know especially at that age at that young age the two main things that, that jump out would be um one stopping playing video games <laughs> oh, yeah. and and two education um so I mean, I just love playing guitar. So, and like I said, I was a massive geek. So when most other people were out, you know, at the park or even going to bars from being like 15, 16, I was always in my room playing guitar. And then one summer I spent, I must have spent the entire summer playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater on PlayStation. <laughs> I love that. And I just had, it was, it was, yeah, it was amazing. Me and my mates were hooked. And I remember having this kind of, weird conversation with myself it was just going right if you want to do this seriously you have to stop playing these games um you know even on on pc i was playing like warcraft for example yeah. 
So it wasn't just limited to PlayStation. And yeah, that was the first time I, I was 16. And I said, right, if you, if you really want to get good at guitar and do this, you have to stop playing these video games. So I just stopped and I've not really, you know, barely played them since. So that was one uh, example. And then the other example was I was kind of brought up by my parents that school was really important and I didn't want to go to university. Uh, but they, they kind of made me really. And back when I was 18, I didn't really have I was a bit of a sheltered kid. Didn't really have the voice that I kind of have now. So I didn't really stand up and sort of fight my case. Um, I picked, I mean, I picked a degree, which only was, I did Latin at university. So I only had like nine hours of lectures a week. So it was completely just so I could play guitar and, and gig. <laughs> That's awesome, but, man. <laughs> yeah, but that was, that was, I think that was the main obstacle. Um, obviously, don't get me wrong, education is important, but I think. It's also, it's cool to know Latin for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it, it has, yeah, it was, it's interesting. The history as well is pretty cool. Um, and it, you know, it was interesting. It's just not, not what I, I wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to do. Since you know Latin, <clears throat> when you watch movies like, like, like The Exorcist or like things like that, like where they have, uh, where there's like demons and there's like priests trying to like, you know, and they like pull out <laughs> the cross and they start like chanting at them in uh, Latin or like whatever, like just movies with demons and devils and shit. And they always, yeah. put, they always put Latin in it. Can you, can you tell what they're saying? Do you know what they're saying? I could probably spot words. I'm not, I can say I've not actually seen The Exorcist. Uh, those kind of, I don't, those kind of movies aren't from, don't agree with me. Okay. <laughs> I don't mind like sort of slasher stuff and horror stuff, but supernatural stuff doesn't, don't know, just doesn't agree with me. Yeah. That's uh, what I think is the scariest shit too, is the supernatural uh, horror movies for sure. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, there, there are times like loads of churches over here, you know, they've got loads of inscriptions on them. I can, just about remember it's been it's been a few years since i did it but um i get people coming up to me all the time like wanting tattoos and they go how do you say this in latin oh yeah <laughs> so that's the only thing my latin has really come in useful for is translating people's tattoos from english into latin <laughs> that ain't worthless man I would, <laughs> as long as i get it right it's not <laughs> yeah it's like uh it's like people that like to get uh like chinese calligraphy but they have yeah. no fucking idea what they just got tattooed <laughs> on them. They just got to take someone's <laughs> word for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, anyway, the only reason I asked that, I was just, cause I was like, I wonder, uh, I always wonder when I'm watching that, I'm like, are they just, is this, is this gibberish or are there like little Easter eggs where they're actually just saying something funny, but they're saying it in a scary tone, but I don't know. Well, probably they might be. <laughs> Depends how good the researcher on the film is. If he, if he's done his Latin research, well enough just one more question about like you and uh coming up as a musician and learning uh did you like fuck with any other instruments like or you know and then like through that just kind of decide that guitar was your favorite or did you just like gravitate straight to guitar and were like oh this is for me and i don't need to bother learning additional instruments I I've always wanted to. Like, I play bits of piano. During lockdown, I've been teaching myself bits of piano. Um, but my actual first serious band, I was actually a drummer for. So just really weirdly, this guy that I knew wanted, he needed a drummer for the band. Um, and so I just, he had an electronic kit, so I started out on there, then bought myself a cheap drum kit. Um, and I played drums in that band for like three, four years. Oh, cool. Um, which was odd because I knew guitar was my main instrument. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that kind of took over a little bit, but then I moved on to guitar and then set up my own band because uh, that's what, ultimately what I wanted to do. And that band wasn't going anywhere. Um, but really enjoy playing the drums. I think if you're a musician, having a, having a foundation or at least a, a basic knowledge of the drums is important because it teaches you rhythm. So, you know, you got you're the backbone of the band and, if I think if you can take that into other instruments and into your songwriting, it's it's very personal. I think it's a very valuable thing to have. I mean, I would agree entirely because that's the thing is you know you got to have rhythm no matter what instrument you're playing, and yeah. and you know if you're if you're good at drums, that's going to give you such an advantage when you take that to anything, including um, you know being a singer or whatever. You know, yeah, there are people out there that have got you know they've got great vocal cords and they can hit some awesome notes, but if they can't get in the pocket, they make the music sound like shit. So 
absolutely, absolutely. And I think as a drummer, you know, you can play, some people just play through the song. Either they're not listening to anything else, they just do what they want. But if you can really listen to the other instruments, and like for me, Jimmy Chamberlain from the Smashing Pumpkins does that unbelievably well. Like every accent, you know, he's just, he really listens to the music and he's just nailing everything. It just sounds so musical. Um, But he was the first drummer that sort of, that I was listening to kind of taking notes. Um, But yeah, that definitely has helped me in terms of where drums sit in a song Um, and my rhythm playing and, you know, ideas. So, but yeah, yeah, love instruments. I'd love to learn how to play the saxophone. That's definitely on my list. Dude, we had we had a saxophone player in my last band. It was in uh it was kind of funny because it was uh it, it was the kind of band you wouldn't expect that to be in, but we found right. some cool ways to do it. Yeah, we'd like set up a mic with a with a shitload of reverb and he'd play into the mic and it'd just be like wow, wow, wow. People loved it, dude. It was uh what sort of, it was, what genre would you, was it the music play? So hard to describe the genre of this band. And this is a it was an interesting band because there were times where there were as few as three members and as many as 12. Oh, wow. Uh, it was just, it was called Dub Poet Society. So it had like a lot of roots in like uh, dub reggae, but then oh. uh, also like a lot of roots in like punk and hip hop. And like, we just mashed it all together. And then some of our shows were fantastic. It was one of those things where we were doing our band practice on stage. All <laughs> Like we... Uh, almost never met like you know at a practice space to do anything we just would book shows and show up and that's where we practiced and so occasionally it'd be good but <laughs> but sometimes it would be a train wreck but we were just having so much fun we, we didn't give a shit it was always yeah. a party <clears throat> that's the main thing and oh man that's actually uh once again man i'm loving how like uh i don't have to make these segues happen because we just keep landing on this just right on the nose uh I wanted to jump forward again in time and actually I'm hoping I can get a, a story out of you. And that's, uh, okay. that, we'll, see. <laughs> I, well I, I just, I know that it's impossible to be a touring musician yeah. without collecting a few gnarly stories. And I was just going to ask, would you be willing to share one of your gnarliest stories, uh, from being on tour? It doesn't have to be too crazy, but just something, something that, uh, maybe stands out in your mind. Cause there's always just uh, maniacal stuff that happens when you're out doing that life. Kind, I mean, when I was doing when I was doing it sort of solo, it was kind of a, a bit of a, a low key affair. And like the guys I was touring with, it was just sort of kind of having general banter. Like when you're with your your mates and your band, it it can just be a bit more chaotic, a little more drunken sort of fun. But we just end up like ripping it out of each other, though. So I'm just trying to think now. What's uh, one one that um, springs to mind. This is this is a lesson in, in learning from mistakes. I did, the last tour I was on last year, we did a gig. Um, it was in a place called Bournemouth, which is by the sea. And I was playing guitar for this American artist, Tara Lynch. And there, I think there must have been about fifteen like fifteen hundred people in the audience. We were obviously supporting, so we went on um, before the main act and. We'd done, I think we'd done a run of three, four shows. So everyone was feeling confident. Everyone's feeling good. So we're like, right, we're really good. Really going to go for this, this tonight. As soon as I get out, foot's going on the monitor, just getting stuck into the audience's faces. So I do exactly that. Start off the first song, running out, foot's on the monitor. But obviously the way that I had all the microphone and everything set up, the mic was in the middle. So my pedals were either side. And I went to the right of the microphone stand. And then as as the song was sort of going to go into the into the first verse, we're all sort of pulling back to get into position. And I just kind of swing to the left, completely take the microphone stand out. <laughs> just, you just hear this massive thud. And I'm looking around and you just feel like an absolute dick because you've, you've been there trying to look cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly the <laughs> microphone stand just goes flying. And I'm looking around for the tech thinking he's seen it and he's going to pick the microphone because i got to start singing in like 15 seconds. Yeah. He's there filming everything. And I'm like, what are you doing? My mic. So I'm not having to bend down really awkwardly and uncoolly, (laughs) pick the microphone stand. Everyone's looking at me and I'm like, oh, how do I recover from this? Um, So now the microphone stand never goes in the middle. It always goes to the right-hand side of my monitors and my pedals. 
All right. You heard it here first, people. Put the microphone <laughs> <laughs> to the right. Don't put it in the middle. If you knock it no. over and you got a shitty tech, it's just going to be embarrassing. You know who would be really good for that? You know, uh, you ever watch tennis? Yeah, love it. Those dudes that uh, that run out and get the balls out of the way. You know, like when they when they uh, hit the net and they just run yeah. out and get the ball and they get the fuck out of the way. They need people yeah. like that, man. <laughs> just just crouching at the side of the stage. Oh, as a matter of fact, have you ever seen uh, Wayne's World too? Oh, a long time ago. Yes. I mean, yeah, but, but, they, they're, but they're throwing uh, a giant festival called Wayne Stock, and I just remembered yeah. one of the scenes. They're teaching everyone how to be techs and roadies. These are all guys that have never worked in uh, music before, but like, because it's all uh, Wayne and Garth's friends. And uh, the guy in charge has one of those tennis ball machines that shoots a tennis ball at you at like, you know, 90 miles an hour. And while they're on stage, they're just hitting them with tennis balls. <laughs> 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 I need to rewatch that. That one and the first one are absolute classics. That was uh, Chris Farley's in that. And he like, he's on stage and they're hitting him with tennis balls until he starts crying. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, shout out Wayne's World too. Hold up. It's time to reach into the mailbag. Now every week on the show, we reach in the mailbag to see if anyone has written a message to the show and then we read it out loud. And I'm very glad to say that uh, someone wrote me an email at... Um, my views are my own dot podcast at gmail.com. And this is from Christopher Johnson. Christopher Johnson wrote, <clears throat> hello, our client requires the services of a model for casting for a new online fashion website. Kindly get back to me for more details. Regards, Chris. Wow. Thanks, Chris. You know, I thought my modeling years were behind me, but you show me they're not. Thanks for running the show. Now back to the interview. Hey, man, uh, what do you like better, uh, touring or recording? Oh, um, I mean, there are, there, are, there are reasons to love them both. I do love playing live. That's, that's just, uh, yeah, I just love playing live. I think, just think the buzz of it, playing to crowds, you know, seeing different parts of the world. It's a definite highlight. And you can be creative in your sound checks and whilst you're on tour. Uh, but like being in the studio, I don't I I do like being in the studio. I know some people don't, but so it almost like lights up a different part of my brain. So just being creative and trying different things and having that freedom, I really, really enjoy it. Um, but definitely live, live is where it's at. Yeah, and I know it's a difficult question because it's almost like if I was like, what do you like better, uh, pizza or ice cream? Is this, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's your, what's your mood? But yeah. I I like, kids. You, can, you can't really choose. <laughs> I think I lean a little bit towards uh, recording, honestly, because I, I like the, uh, I like building, you know, and I like seeing something come together and especially like yeah. uh, the feeling too when you've like, when you've just completed something and it's, and it's what you wanted and it sounds great wow. and that's, but like, yeah, just like you said, man, you can't compare that to what the feeling of being on the stage and that kind of adrenaline and that kind of energy. So, yeah. So yeah, that's a tough one, man. I don't, I mean, I, I guess you answered it as best as possible. They're both great. I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do think there are people out there though, that, uh, for sure, like you said, you know, some people that don't enjoy the, the studio that much. And I think that also, there's certainly people that love the studio and probably, um, the live part is not what they, you know, it's not what they enjoy so much. So yeah, it's a person to person thing. There's a lot to go wrong when you're playing live shows. Um, but I think these days it's, it's difficult to, and I know a lot of people have things on tracks. Um, but I just think when you, when you've got four instruments and you can make great noise yeah, and, and be, you know, you just got great harmonies, great music. I don't think you can really beat that kind of experience and that that feeling. It's um, it's, it's, it's kind of sounds like a cliche, but there is a definite definite chemistry um, when you get. You know, I've been in certain bands where it hasn't worked, but there's three guys that I play with, and when us four get into a room, it is just different, and we just bounce off each other. The ideas we come up with, how we sound. It just, something just clicks. 
Yeah. When you take that to the stage, it's it's even better. I think uh, you could even take the the idea, uh, kind of what I just said as a as a performer, and you could even you could even ask the same thing to the audience because <clears throat> uh, you know, would you rather listen to an album like perhaps like on your own stereo system? in your own at your own crib in a comfortable environment or would you rather be at a live show and mm-hmm. i think the answer to that's going to change from day to day because obviously sometimes you want to go be at a live show you want to party you want to see people and you want to hear that music live but yeah. clearly a lot of the times you want to just listen to that music at home or in your car and you're going to enjoy it more in that fashion so yeah and there's, there's different aspects which will pop out when you're at home or when you're at the live gigs i mean I, there are certain songs that i've not been that into when I've been listening to like a new album and I've gone to see the band live and then I've absolutely loved that song. I've gone back and like played the hell out of it. It's, um, and, and going to see a band live is inspiring. It can inspire like a different song idea. I mean, I've, I've written so many notes at gigs. Like people will be like, why are you on your phone? I'm like, I'm not just aimlessly scrolling through my phone. I'm like writing down an idea that's just, I've just been inspired. And, uh, yeah, I went to see Bruce Springsteen, for example, a few years back in Hyde Park, and I just had an idea for a song from watching him, scribbled it in my phone, and then went back and wrote this song, and I was like, oh, it's really cool, that. Have you ever heard, of, do you know uh, who Andrew WK is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, I used to know uh, the guitar. well, he lives at Jimmy Koo, the guitarist, he lives in Ireland now, he's a big, thin Lizzie fan. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, man. Through being, um, through being massive Lizzie fans, he's an awesome guy really cool oh yeah so i was what i was gonna say is like uh and this is a while ago this is like has quite a while ago and i I, like i had never gotten into his music that much uh i was just kind of like yeah he's all right whatever whatever and then i saw him live in phoenix and it was uh it was a warp tour and it was it was uh in phoenix like in this parking lot by their football stadium like just in this like like 110 degrees on asphalt just like I was there with my brother, dude, and I like thought we were—I thought we were both gonna die, man. And uh, uh, Andrew WK came on, and like I just saw these people just like lose their minds. And all, you know, all the kids out in Phoenix—they're used to that heat, so they're comfy, you know. And I was like, but I just saw like the energy coming from his stage, and I was like, that's what we're going to, dude. We're going to whatever the hell that is, dude. Yeah. And uh, that's when I was like, okay, now I get his music, man, because it was like, I mean, these kids losing their minds the mosh pit was like is way too fucking big it was like the whole crowd was it you know and i was just like yeah and i was like okay i see you know like i i get it now i get it because i'm seeing it and i'm experiencing it and so i don't know that's my my example of what you were saying is that yeah it's it's good that guy's got so much energy on stage it's his live shows are great yeah yeah he was just he's just party 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 (laughs) (laughs) i don't know has he ever written a song where he doesn't say party (laughs) <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, so, like, uh, and just like what you were just talking about, then Lizzie and stuff. I, I know you've, uh, I know you've toured and recorded with a ton of great musicians and bands. Uh, but let's talk about your new solo project. And uh, if you could tell me, like, uh, what's it all about? What's it sound like? Uh, what are your plans for it? It's uh, the easiest way to describe it would be sort of alt rock pop it's definitely got like pop sense of the stuff that i write it's definitely got sort of pop sensibilities you know loads of hooks um but it's definitely rooted in rock you know that's why I, I grew up on classic rock but it doesn't sound like classic rock it's just you know it's got quite a few little electronic sounds since in there just to make it sound a bit more modern um and you know it's a little bit different but I started out, when I first moved to London, I was kind of just doing, getting my feet, doing the singer-songwriter stuff, going out solo acoustic, but it just didn't appeal to me because um, I wanted to be in a band. So whenever I've got shows or runner gigs going on, I'll just sort of get my mates around me who I always use, either in the studio or for gigs, um, and we'll go out and do those shows. But it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just great, up-tempo, rock pop there's the odd ballad in there everyone needs a good ballad in there <laughs> um, and, um but lyrically I, was, uh, I just try to keep it interesting you know 
Hopefully, um, we'll, we'll be we'll be playing uh, one of your tracks at, at the end of the show. Is that cool? That yeah. Cool? Has, so yeah, just everybody to like stick around and like you'll be uh, we'll be able to listen to uh, one of the songs at the end here too. So you'll get more like of a definite vibe. Nice. So I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just wanted to. Oh, no, you know. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty much finished there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I would say, sorry, plans for the future, you said. Yeah. Um, I mean, whilst all gigs are off at the minute, it's just a case of trying to stay focused and writing, really. Um, and working. So the producer I work with um, is trying to build things up remotely. Um, so I'm going into the studio in Oct- end of October to record a load of drums. Um, four new songs, four, maybe five. So I've got three that I'm going to be releasing now, uh, between now until the end of the year. And then this next batch of four songs will be for the for 2021. Um, and just trying to keep the momentum going. And that's what it's, I guess that's all you can do is try and stay positive, try stay creative and just keep writing. Um, so they're my only real plans at the minute, just pushing for as much exposure and uh, that I can get by putting stuff out and getting it say, out that's so that's so dope how the like the vibe and the rhythm of this uh podcast has been going today because you just answered the next question <laughs> i had anyway like i like i didn't go ahead and just skip that because you already like <laughs> you've either been like you've been making this so easy for me because you like set it down right where i can pick it up or you just answer the question that i'm going to ask in the first place and i don't have to worry about it <laughs> Just doing your job for you, just trying to make it as easy as possible. Hey man, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but yo, uh, besides the fact that I was saying uh, we're gonna play a track uh, here at the end, uh, but for people that you know really really want to check it out, uh, where can people find your music, man? Like where where are you at? So Spotify, app, app, uh, Apple Music are the best places. If you're looking for some visual content as well, YouTube. Um, so just type in Caviani and you know, load of my stuff will come up. So not just, I've got a few covers up there, just uh, some guitar playthroughs as well. So if anyone's interested in, you know, the guitar playing aspect as well, you know, follow me on YouTube. because I'm going to be putting a, posting a series of tutorials on there and my Instagram as well, uh, which is caviani dot underscore. Um, Cause someone was already taking caviani. Someone stole your name. <laughs> yes. And the, the annoying thing is they don't even use the account. And I can't get the handle because oh, I think the last time they used it was like six years ago, which is even more frustrating. <laughs> so they have to, I have to put the dot and underscore under there. But on there, I post you know more sort of guitar licks and and I'm going to be starting to post more kind of breakdowns and tutorials just whilst everything's at a bit of a standstill. Um, oh, and also it's for all my followers too. Just uh, if you're if, if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter or whatever like that, there's going to be a link to. Uh, Caviani too so if that's cool appreciate that if that's easier for anybody but obviously just I mean whatever uh but yeah for sure check it out Spotify uh Apple Music best way to do that and then I guess I'm assuming on YouTube I know you had a thing recently which did you do like it was the 50 uh 50 greatest guitar intros oh the top like 40 yeah I did the top, top 40 well oh, what I thought was the top 40 yeah, I, I yeah. missed so many off I missed so many off there's but yeah, you got you, at a point. You just got to go. <laughs> I need to get this list done. So, what's I think that's like uh, some more fun stuff to check out too. Like, not just your your legit like oh here here's my actual music that I created, but there's some fun stuff too. And I assume you, know, you can find that on Instagram, YouTube, and yeah, like, like, like doing stuff like hey here's uh, my opinion or or I mean your opinion of the top forty best guitar intros. I'm going to do them all. <laughs> so absolutely, absolutely. So, and I just kind of was working on. I think lockdown's forced you to just think a little bit outside the box until you can get up out gigging again. Um, so I'm just trying to do what I can to reach people, followers, all sorts. You got to keep me in the know uh, for when you're going to come to uh, Nashville and play a show here, dude. I'll definitely come check you out, bro. Yeah, I will do. I'd love to do that. Or if I'm in London, uh, right now we're not allowed to come see you guys because uh, – yeah, <laughs> we're not allowed to go anywhere, dude. <laughs> yeah, I think we're allowed to go to like three other countries at the moment. Uh, right. I mean, I guess I if I were, uh, I don't know. I have a, I have a buddy that just moved to uh, Croatia. Okay. Uh, shout out. Uh, he was actually a guest on this podcast. He's a he's a DJ. Um, but I don't know how he did it. I guess maybe he if you have a work visa or something, mm. they, they let you move. I don't know. 
I think you'd, you'd have, definitely have had to have uh, quarantined for two weeks when he got there, probably. Yeah, and I guess maybe it's different if uh, if it's if you're moving to, if you're moving there to stay. And yeah, a, and it's job related. They probably do. It. I think what it is is tourism is what's been completely shut down. Yeah, but oh hey man, I gotta let you know, dude. We are getting dangerously close to the lightning round, and uh, <laughs> at, the, at the end of every uh, episode, we do a lightning round where what I do is I just ask you questions like super fast, and you don't have any time to think. You just got a gut reaction, answer it. So don't so like don't take them like as seriously as like well, I need to answer the right question. You just have yeah. to, or, I mean, the, give the right answer. You just have to be like, whatever the, off the top of your head. Okay. And we'll just shoot through it. And like, that's how the lightning round goes. Not always. Sometimes we get in the lightning round and people get stuck on questions and we just, <laughs> we can't get past them. But, uh, <laughs> and I made this one, especially uh, for you. Just, I, th- I thought it'd be fun because you lived in Nashville for a little bit, but you're from okay. London. And uh, <clears throat> uh, we would do a uh, US versus UK lightning round. And okay. I'm going to shout out some things and you just pick one. Like it's just okay. like, they're all multiple choice, uh, two choices. Uh, all right, cool. You ready to do this? Let's do it. I have a feeling you're going to win, man. Uh, <laughs> all right. What's a better love story? Uh, Sid and Nancy or Kurt and Courtney? Kit, Kit, Kurt and Courtney. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say Kurt and Courtney too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Sid and Nancy ended in a great way. All right, how about this one, man? Uh, better rapper, Slick Rick or Easy E? Slick Rick. I agree, man. <laughs> that was funny because I ran that by a couple of people and everybody's like Easy E, and I'm like, I don't think you've ever listened to Slick Rick. No, no <laughs> offense to Easy E, I like him too. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, better action movie franchise. James Bond or The Fast and the Furious? James Bond, easy. I have a feeling most people would agree with you, even most Americans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this one, it seems like it's a, it's a easy take, but I don't know, man. Uh, better dialogue, Snatch or Pulp Fiction? Pulp Fiction. Um, once again, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that most people would agree with you on that, uh, you know, from the UK or from America, but... I do have to give a big shout out to Snatch for having some incredibly great dialogue. I thought it was fucking yeah. awesome. <laughs> all right. Here's, okay, this is the toughest one I think I, I got on. Well, no. Actually, they all get harder from here. Those were all, okay. the, those were all the easies. Here's the hard ones. All right. <clears throat> Best narrator, Sir David Attenborough or Morgan Freeman? Oh, that's Sir David Attenborough. I'm going to have to. You're going to give it to Sir David Attenborough. I, I'm going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be one of the ones where I can, I'm going to feel like some of the listeners aren't going to agree with you, but some are, man. Yeah. Is he because, big over there? Is he? What? Is David Amber big over in the States? I mean, he, yeah, he does uh, like planet earth and yeah, I mean, all those, planet. I mean, th- these are things that I watch. I don't know. Right. <clears throat> I'm sure he does a lot more stuff that, that you have seen and listened to than me, but right. he's the narrator on some of my very favorite uh, nature documentaries that I've ever watched. Yeah. Yeah. But so is for Morgan Freeman. <laughs> what are you going to do, man? Hey, man, you had to give an answer, and I totally respect it. That's why I put both those names down. They're both great narrators. But yeah. Okay, here we go, man. Uh, <laughs> this is kind of a silly one, but we'll, we'll see what you think. BMW or Cadillac? BMW. Oh, mm, yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to go BMW is my first answer. <laughs> <laughs> once again is one of those uh apples and oranges man like yeah well, yeah I mean, you know what i think i'd rather have a beamer than a cadillac too man so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with you on that one all right uh better singer adele or beyonce beyonce wow okay okay uh now this one's uh i i honestly i personally didn't know where to go with it but i'm gonna give it to you i'm gonna see what you have to say better tv show Game of Thrones or Westworld? I haven't actually seen either of those. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay. So, so this is when you, you know the question when you when I mentioned the whole giving up playing computer games. Oh, this, yeah, is another, probably, this, this is an extension of that because I could easily just get lost and just binge watch that kind of stuff. And I'd never get any songwriting or guitar playing done. 
So for that reason, I never watched. I've never seen like Dexter. Never seen um, Twenty Four. Any of those? Oh, I mean, I, I've never watched Twenty Four either. But I would say uh, these are both HBO shows. Okay. I, I mean, as you know, like Game of Thrones was like a that was like a <laughs> phenomenon. Yeah. But uh, I don't even I don't even know how many hours you could throw away watching it. <laughs> and Westworld is nowhere near as big. It's Westworld, Westworld's kind of like a lot newer. So right. I guess. Ah oh man, I want to think of another way to say it. But the only reason I did this because all the actors in Game of Thrones are uh, uh, British or you know uh, Scottish, UK, whatever, and all the you know Westworld is like cowboy shit. So I don't know. How about this? What, uh, what do you think is a better uh, television show concept? a bunch of like stuff that's like medieval, but it's actually fantasy and it has dragons and shit or something that's like a bunch of cowboys that are actually robots. I'll probably say the, the medieval dragons. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the answer is game of Thrones. Right. All right, and, uh, Simon, you have won the, the lightning round. This has been a, a fantastic episode. So glad <laughs> to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on. man. No, thanks for having me, mate. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to My Views Are My Own. You can contact me at myviewsaremyown.com or on Instagram at myviewsaremyown underscore podcast or on Twitter at myviews underscore podcast or you could just email me directly at myviewsaremyown.podcast at gmail and as a matter of fact, Kaviani is going to play us out with the song... Don't let the bombs drop. They're trading goods and they're trading souls. Whether guns, gold or oil, it's all about control. They still come running on foreign ground. Taking lives, men, women, young and old. Leave their bodies. Concrete.